You're listening to the What's the Scenario podcast. I'm Yaz Qureshi. It was a Wednesday afternoon in September. I see a series of texts on my phone. It's our producer, Umar Nazirudin, texting us about an opportunity for the podcast. In short, Umar got in touch with the founder of the first professional sorority for Muslim women, Mu Delta Alpha, at UTD, the University of Texas at Dallas. And he tells us there's a story here that we need to share. Now at this point, my idea of sororities is limited to what I see on TV and in movies. Like, remember that movie, The House Bunny? Of course not, nobody watched it. It was a movie about a former Playboy playmate played by Anna Faris and a bunch of misfit college girls and how through this unlikely partnership, they create a sorority against all odds and the misfits become lovable co-eds and the playmate finds fulfillment for the first time in her life. We're about to lose our charter, so uh, if we don't have a house, we won't really be needing a house mother. Oh, well, why are they going to take your house away? Because we get no pledges, and uh, and everyone kind of thinks we're losers. That's so sad. Why does everyone else get all the pledges? Well, they uh, have great parties, and uh, boys actually like them. I'm an expert at parties and boys. I'm a bunny. Men write to me from prison, sometimes in their own blood. I mean, I assume it's theirs. Who knows? I don't. I'm sorry I'm nervous right now because I really want to help you guys because I know I can do it. Wow, a, a bunny? Like a centerfold? Do you remember that email from a sorority that went viral a few years ago? It took off when Michael Shannon from Boardwalk Empire narrated it. If you just open this like I told you to, tie yourself down to whatever chair you're sitting in, because this email is going to be a rough <laughs> ride. For those of you that have your heads under rocks, which apparently is the majority of this chapter, we have been f***ing up in terms of nighttime events and general social interactions with Sigma Nu. If you're reading this right now and saying to yourself, OMG, Becca, I've been having so much fun with my sisters this week. Then punch yourself in the face right now. See, that's what I thought of when I would hear the word sorority. Sorority was either defined by a man's skewed outlook of what women do when they're together, or it was a cutthroat, cult-like organization full of cute bubbly girls who are secretly terrifying. So when I got these texts from Omer, I was about to tell him to have one of the other guys handle this story on our podcast. I mean, one of our hosts was even in the first Muslim fraternity in the country. Surely he would have a better idea on this than I would, right? But before I responded to Omer, he tells us that he wanted me to do this episode because I knew nothing about sororities in Greek life, not despite it. So I decide that if any of our listeners know as little about sororities as I do, then there's a story here worth sharing. So we identified some of the key sorority members that we wanted to meet, and one of them needed to be the founder of the sorority. This is what a Muslimus for change. That's what Mu Delta Alpha stands for. Muslimus for change. Like, you know what? That you are going to change your narrative. Nobody can write a narrative for you no more. That's Samira Maddox, the matriarch, the founder, the godmother of Mu Delta Alpha. That was her speaking at the bid dinner after UTD's rush week. In addition to recording her speech at the bid dinner, Omar and I scheduled a couple more interviews so I could learn more about the sorority. We even caught up with a couple girls who are rushing or going through the recruitment process to join UTD's chapter. The bulk of this episode is my interview with Samira, Umayma Nasser, and Amina Javed, who joins us at the end of the episode. And if Samira is the female equivalent of Don Corleone from The Godfather, then Umayma is surely Michael Corleone, tasked with maintaining the family when the Don is gone. And Amina is the conciliary, the Robert Duvall, the Tom Hagen. Okay, to be fair, the sword is not a New York crime family, at least as far as I know. But as you can tell, I went into this episode not knowing what to expect. But what I ended up with was a story of hope, frustration, 
legacies, and sisterhood. This is the story of Mu Delta Alpha, the first professional sorority in the country for Muslim women. If you can, for our listeners, just briefly introduce yourselves. Samir Maddox, a founder and president of Mu Delta Alpha Nationals. I'm Amai Manasser. I'm the president of Mu Delta Alpha Alpha Chapter at UT Dallas. All right, guys. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm coming into this blind. I know basically nothing about Greek life. I especially know nothing about sorority life, <laughs> as you might have guessed. Um, so I want to know everything there is to know about the sorority and how did this start? Where did we come from? First of all, I was the president of uh, MSA at Calling College mm-hmm. for a very long time. But and I did a lot of work to kind of get that uh, MSA to a, to a great spotlight. So for me, I wanted something continue to continue, mm-hmm. you know, to have something that I would, you know, my work will not will not just go away, wash away. Somebody else would take over my work and they will not continue the passion that I had. So when I came to UTD, actually talking to Ali Mahmoud, the, the young, you know, yeah, the, the founder, the, the of, founder the, of Ali Flamim and yep. Ali Mahmoud and I had known each other for a while. So I was like, you know, I, I was thinking about the idea of the, of the women. Then we, we went to, we reached out to the, to the first sorority, the Muslim sorority in the, you know, in the nation. They, I, I looked at their history. I really enjoyed what, what they were doing, the sisterhood, the friendship. And, you know, it's a continuity of your work. So your work just doesn't go away there. But they didn't, um, they didn't accept us. They said we, okay. you know, we, we didn't fit the criteria because UTD, this was new to UTD, and UTD was like, you know, you have, we had to follow some set of rules to, you know, to start a new organization, and they didn't want to wait for that long because they wanted to have a gold presentation, and I asked UTD, can we have a gold presentation? They want to come and present something to us. UTD said, no, you have to register as a student organization, Right. So with the with the with the sorority, the first sorority in the nation, because I wanted to kind of bring it to UTD, and I saw so many Muslim young women, and it's something that I wanted to do from the get go after speaking to Ali Mahmoud. So afterwards, when they when they rejected us, you know, with the rejections, a lot of things come out. Mm. You know, if you if if you know the the history of if you see Michael Jordan, he was rejected by his high school coach, right? right? That's a great example, and look at what he did mm-hmm. after he was rejected because he had this drive. We can talk about so many people, Steph Curry, whatever it is. Everybody got rejections, and something comes out of that rejection. I'm glad they rejected us actually because they had to. They opened this up. Right for us, yeah. so I was like sitting with some of my friends, and I was like, actually, my president of uh, UT UT Austin, my beta chapter president, and I was like, are we gonna leave everything that we wanted to do mm-hmm. on the table and don't have anything and be a part of something else that we? She was like, you know, maybe you could some we could start something with our dreams, with our sets of values, so we cannot continue somebody else's history. And I was like, yes. Maybe that's something that I would really want to do. So coming to UTD and looking at the Greek life and looking at all those, you know, the flags for all these sororities, which has been there for hundreds of years, I was blown away that there's nothing representing Muslim women. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of them in this, like in the school. I I promise you, you know, if you come to UTD, like every, (laughs) there's so many hijabi girls. So why not have that? And you know what? They're in the university. 
right? They're studying to be a professional, mm-hmm. right? They're studying to be doctors, you know, teachers, lawyers, whatever it is. And how about if we bring them all together, mm-hmm. you know, to be a part of something collective, right? With the same sorority idea, you know, because the sororities is all about build is is getting a university experience. That's what sororities are all about. So I I'm friends with the with the director of Tri Delta. Tri Delta is the biggest sorority in the nation okay. for, for women. They're so big because they started 100 years ago. And if you look at their history, it started with three women. They wanted to have they wanted to do have friendship. They wanted to have the same people, the same women, same minds mm-hmm. come together with the same values. And that's how they started Tri Delta. And I said, you know, how about Muslim women? So we reached out to the Panhellenic. Like, for you to be ra- nationally recognized, you have to be under a Panhellenic, under a conference. Okay. So I reached out to them and they said, you know, it would take you 10 years to, to get to the conference itself, to be represented and to be nationally recognized. I came to UTD with 15 Muslim girls. I said, we want to start a sorority for Muslim women. We want to start something for Muslim women. And UTD was like, it would take you 10 years, Samira. You will not be able to leave this organization. You know, UTD was big support. Mm-hmm. The student life was a huge support. Tanil. Tanil is so, I, I have to say her name because she she's a she was like Samira. So we would meet Who, Who's that? Tanil Nuis. She is an assistant student director of the okay. university. So I said, okay. So I got some friends together. I said, okay, let me have my president. Let me have my vice president. So I'll stand downstairs in UTD where the reflection room is where all mm-hmm. the Muslim women go pray yeah. or the guys or whatever. I said, I want to start something. Please support me. You know, I want to start a Muslim women organization. You know, it'd be amazing. We will have history. We will do a lot of things. You know, some people will be like, yeah, yeah, another Muslim is going to put pearls. <laughs> Why don't you be a part of pearls? Somebody told me that one of the, some of the, one of the presidents of the MSA here said, why don't you join with MSA so it can be something, you know, alternative to MSA? I said, no, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking to bring, and this is where our values came, mm-hmm. you know, our mission statement. I said, we're looking for collective young Muslim women with different, you know, professional and different, you know, disciplines from different, like, you know, programs. Bring them together so we can build something fantastic like all those other women have done 100 years ago. Yes, we're starting now in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what? They started whenever they started. But this is our time. We got to start it right now in 2014 when I started UTD. Yeah. Or 2013. So I was like, so we, we came together. We got the student organization going. Name. We came up with the name Muslims for Change, you know. Yeah. And a lot of girls joined and they left us, you know, and this is something. And, and this is all in, in that one year span? That one year span. So you faced rejection from the other Muslim sorority in the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. And UTD had all. So the, the rejection you first faced from UTD is to bring a chapter of that sorority here. Now, mm-hmm. both both parties, the sorority themselves and UTD. Were UTD said, did not reject us. UTD, UTD wanted to follow some sets of rules. Okay. Because everybody has to follow these rules. Okay. The national chapter that you're trying to open has to give you permission. Yeah. They have to have proper insurance mm-hmm. to be a part oh, okay. of FSL. Like FSL is the fraternity and sorority life. Mm-hmm. Without some okay, information, yeah. UTD will not open the organization. So UTD is just following the rules of every other organization has followed. So the sorority, the national sorority, that those sisters had a problem 
They said we did not fit the criteria because, you know, we they were supposed to be coming on that time and asking for UTD for space without you being a professional, like a, a sorority or a student organization. It's not allowed. So when I told them that we have to wait until UTD gives us, you know, permission to go, so that's how they rejected us. So we got rejected by them, but UTD did not reject us as okay. Samira. Mm-hmm. They rejected the idea of us just having something coming in without being without a registered a student organization mm-hmm. we have to follow a sort sets of rules and I'm I'm a big follower right. of following those rules Just so principles. that's yeah those are the principles for you to open up an organization mm-hmm. and that's why we were rejected by by the by those sisters and a lot of young women had a lot of pushback mm-hmm. you know of they thought that we'll not go anywhere so we there was a lot of tears a lot of sweat a lot of blood you know and I was like so what do we name ourselves I said oh Maybe because we're looking for change mm. and we're Muslims because we don't want to u- lose that identity or that value that we have as Muslim women. Yeah. Yes, we can be professionals. Yes, we can reach our potential. And then we said, we love education. Mm-hmm. We love the empowerment. We love the leadership. Hey, why not those be our values? Why don't we call ourselves? Mm. I'm a big fan of President Obama. So why not, <laughs> you know, his slogan, right, right. right change, right? I was like, yes. This is it. Muslims for change. There you go. That's what we're looking for. That's how we got started. So now this is you guys are an informal organization at this point or what are the steps that you have to take to turn it into? We are going to be nationally recognized now because we have our three chapters. We actually have our four chapters. So that's what they were waiting for us to be nationally recognized. So we are applying for the uh, fraternity, the professional fraternity conference. Okay. So we'll be the first Muslims to be accepted in the fraternity wow. conference. So that I think, and we already started our paper. We already started the paperwork mm-hmm. in Indiana long time ago because we, the Panhellenic say 10 years and we were like, you know, your social yeah. sorority. We don't want to be a social sorority. Yeah. We, we want to be a that. professional right. sorority. So mm-hmm. that's what. So you, wanted. you have consolidated that 10 year landmark that they gave you into how many years? Three? Three? Three, yeah. They asked us for three chapters. That's Muslim women for you. (laughs) (laughs) So they asked us for three chapters. Okay. They asked us for three chapters. They said you can reach out to colleges in, uh, you know, in in Texas. You know, but they're selling the idea. For for us, it was, you know, Muslim women, we face a lot of pushbacks. Yeah. You know, Mm. we come, you imagine me sitting and asking for money. Yeah. You know, that makes me sweat, you know, all the time. Please help us do this. We face a lot of pushbacks from the women themselves because they didn't know the idea of a sorority because mm-hmm. they're thinking about the movies that they watch that's what the idea of a sorority <laughs> is okay what do you think? that's me that's me too i don't know yes. about. but it's not it's you know sorority is something that is it's something built about college experiences bringing that friendship yeah you know bringing that sisterhood yeah who is bigger than talking about sisterhood and brotherhood you know mm. islam is is very it's it's very deeply rooted into islam so that's how we we struggled a lot. Mm-hmm. I was telling Umema yesterday, you know, and she can talk about our struggles a little bit. I won't talk about our struggles because we're so successful. We feel we're very successful just to listen, sitting here and talking to a podcast. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We've reached a major milestone. So yeah. I, I just, and then I want to talk about how I recruited some awesome women. I want to talk about Omeima for one second. You know, she's a part of my. <laughs> she she didn't say much about herself. Mm-hmm. She neglected to say she's a part of my founding class, okay. like my alpha chapter, my founding mm-hmm. class. She never left me. Mm. You know, 
She never left this dream. We were three of us sitting in the room, Pegasus, and you know, yeah. everybody. And now the dream is real. Everybody had left us. Yeah. So how it initially started was she recruited 15 girls, uh-huh. uh, brought it to the or the UTD organization, and was like, "Hey, we have all these girls, so we're ready." But what happened was these 15 girls didn't see this organization growing into anything, so they left. So at that point, Samira was just left with no one, and she was very disappointed. But the great thing about Samira is she still pushed through with the dream. She could have given up at that time. And I think that's where the role model that's why Samira is our founder, and this is why she is our role model, because she kept pushing through even after all these rejections. And that's when she approached me. So I am not going to lie. I was I was very hesitant to begin with. At first, I was like, oh, this is a great idea. But again, I don't see it going anywhere. Um, or I don't know where this is leading up to. How do I see myself in this organization? So I was very hesitant about it. But then... Since Samira insisted and she kept coming, she kept coming back, I I joined. And alhamdulillah, I'm so glad about that decision that I made because now I get to sit with her and we get to talk to some incredible women. And the fact that we make a change in not just one woman, but like in so like a group of girls, it's just incredible to me. And so that's why we, that's I think one thing about Samira that, and the reason why we keep talking about legacy is because that's something that's so important to her. Mm-hmm. That is very so that's why we started this organization or sorority as it is is we want to leave this legacy. Once Samira graduated, I wanted to make sure just because she's not present at the UT Dallas campus does not mean that she's not talked about in the campus environment. She still is. Mm-hmm. She is Mu Delta Alpha and as long as Mu Delta Alpha lives, Samira lives on that campus. Nice. So her presence is very known. She is very, very important to us. And she's just been amazing with it. So, so she is the cornerstone of this organization. Oh, for sure. For so sure. So when, when you say, oh, this, is, yeah. this is getting a little real, guys. Yeah, yeah. So when you say that you lost all of these members, mm-hmm. you, are you like literally out of these 15 people who showed interest, you were down to zero? Zero. Zero. And that was in year one. So... Uh, this is three years ago from today, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you go from losing everybody to sustaining and convincing new people to come through? Because what, one thing I want to talk about is this idea of rushing, is this idea of recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this year has been very different when it comes to the actual rushing process. So t- talk to me about year two. You, you're at Your numbers are low mm-hmm. and you have to continue and maybe even start over in making the sell. So what is that like? So I had a friend of mine, and she, I wish she could come, but she's busy now, right? So I had a friend of mine, so after I get Umayma, right, my, one of my pride and joys, and then I get Hira Ali, right, and I have to talk about her. She's been somebody who's been on campus, and I've been, you know, trying to get her and get her and get her, and she finally joins us, and I'm like, okay, I got two people. That I, I feel like we can corner, you know, we can build organization. And the friend of mine who I started the organization with left us as well after. So, but then I get this friend of mine who was my friend in in, in college. She never met Muslims before. She 
always thought Muslims are the most scariest people that she ever met, <laughs> right? Yeah. She was like, Marilyn, I have to say her name, she won't mind. Marilyn Huff was like, oh no, you know, I'll be, we, so we had a friend of ours who was blind, and I, you know, a lot of people know that blind friend of ours, so we'd bring him to class, she would take him to another class, so you take classes just because me and Marilyn and those classes, so we can help him navigate the classes. So he graduated, and his story is amazing. So, Every time I talk to Marilee, I say, hey, what's up, Marilee? Because, you know, I like to talk to everybody. So, hey, what's up, Marilee? She'd be like, oh, gosh, she's talking to me again. So I'd follow her at lunch, would sit. I said, can I join you? And she'd be like, okay, whatever. So, and, you know, <laughs> just that talking to her every time, every right. day. I, she tells the story better. And, she, you know, she's conservative, very conservative. Never met a person, a Muslim person, because she came to community college. So you have to meet a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they were, this was scary for her. But she was a president of, you know, student government. Student government is the like the biggest student organization in every university and in every college. So she knew how to build organizations. So we are already friends in, in Calling College. I, she came to UTD with me. I was like, Marilyn, you know, you cannot waste your talent just sitting like that. You're not a part of student organization. Why are you part of the GO or whatever, GO club or whatever? You need to be a part of history. We're making history. You know, I'm a great seller. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, you know, please, you have to help us. We need you. We need to build our constitution and make it better. Uh-huh. We need to build organization. I told her what happened to us. 15 people left us. I said, I have only five girls right now. Three or four, five girls. You know, mm-hmm. one of our, one of our other founding class. You know, she stuck with us. She was in medical school. You know, she's yeah, made it to medical school. Alhamdulillah. She was studying MCAT. She was studying all those things. Always at the meetings. Yeah. Because she believed in this organization. You know? So Marilee said, okay, let me help you build this organization. Mm-hmm. I think she started putting that concrete, mm-hmm. you know, that concrete for us in the organization. She helped us fix our constitution that anybody could not mess around with the organization. She said, that's the first thing you do. Your constitution has to be concrete, yeah. right? So we'll take everything that you happened to you, mm-hmm. we'll put it in the constitution so it can never happen again. Mm-hmm. So she said, you have to have regular meetings you know she stabilized the organization for us then we started becoming becoming much better Mm -hmm. we said we're not going to recruit this semester or whatever we're just going to build a foundation make it strong because we didn't know what we were doing you know we we were not like an organization which were there for 100 years we just started right and people were not listening to our idea a lot of people had rejected us Especially when we were rejected by those young girls that we got. That was the saddest time of my life. I said, we are leaving a legacy for you. You don't see what we see. But I was like, alhamdulillah, you know, I have five of them who are listening to me. So it's better than zero. zero. So that's where we started getting stuff done. I started going out. I said, let me do what I do best. Let me go to the, let me go beg for money. You know, so because without money, there's no way we can do anything. Mm-hmm. These other organizations have been there for hundreds of years. They're millions of dollars because they have what? They have the alumni chapters. The alumni just calls them and say, hey, I want to donate a million dollars to the organization. And I've seen that. Can you come get that million dollars because we want to give it back? You know, we didn't have that. Mm-hmm. We have our first alumni. She's in, you know, she's in medical school. 
poor her. She's a poor college student. Yeah. So you can imagine what we started from. And, and you know, and then I was, tr- I was trying to graduate at the same point. I have children at the same point. I have, a, you know, I have a lot of thing going, things going on for me. But I said, you know what? I'm building this to have a legacy. And as Umema said, that legacy is very important to leave it in a college setting because we cannot be a part of universities and colleges and people don't know about Muslim women. Yeah. The only thing that they know is MSA. No way. Muslim women are very, and you know, if you know the, the history of the country, like now if you know about statistics, women are more educated now yeah. in America, right? And Muslim women the most, you know? Mm. You, why not give them a platform to speak for them? And Marilee believed totally in that idea. So this is year two is the year of formality, mm-hmm. structure. Yeah, so we didn't recruit anyone that semester. That some that year was solely for us to keep building off. Uh, with with build, those original five people? Yeah, with the original five people who believed in it. And I think that's where we realized and that's where we move forward now is that we don't need that many girls. We need just solid ones that we know see the same potential in this organization that we do. They see the same drive. They, they have that drive to move further with the organization. So um, we started, so second year, we just built off of that. And since we had the constitution, it just really helped with uh, making laws and how to go about things, how to do meetings. Because I feel like everyone has dreams, but if you don't make goals and realistic achievements for them they're not they're just going to be dreams and that's how they just get scattered Mm -hmm. so this was our way of moving towards our dream and um so Marilee did great with the constitution we still live by it this is a constitution that we give to our beta chapter and our gamma chapter and now our delta chapter that we're uh communicating with just building that constitution took up a year and we wanted to take that time. We wanted to take that one year to make sure that we are proud of every single thing that we wrote and that we um, confirm every single step that we have in mm-hmm. that. Uh, just from previous times, like uh, we have different steps that you have to take for different uh, scenarios. Not long into the conversation and my thoughts on sororities have already started to evolve. And I think it's because the word legacy is used so frequently to describe this sorority. See, creating a sorority wasn't a joke to these women. I mean, we have literal tears being shed as they talk about it. I realize this is as much a story of success as it is a story of failure, fear, and rejection. We're going to take a short break here, and when we come back, we're joined by Amina Javed, who's going to help take us through the sorority's second year and beyond. So there's five of you. Mm-hmm. What is your reputation like? Do people know that you're part of the sorority? Do they think like these are the kids who are trying to do something mm-hmm. crazy? Or do people really start to believe in you after a while? Uh, we had a banquet. So we, we had a banquet. We said, okay, we're gonna, we, we always have these banquets. But you know what? While people were rejecting us, we were doing our profession. We did everything that we, we set out to do. We said we're going to do our professional speaker series where we bring Muslim women to mm-hmm. talk, established Muslim women to talk about what they've done. 
you know, how they became professionals. You know, we had a district attorney, you know, assistant district attorney who's a Muslim. She came and spoke to us about professionalism. We had photographers. We had a lot of journalists. So we were still doing this work, but we were still building our foundation. We didn't want to have any, like, members yet. Because we just wanted to make sure that we run our programs, we do whatever we set out to do. We we did a we did a winter drive. Mm-hmm. Just me and Merrily, you know, put everything in the truck and took it down to to give it to the homeless. We thought those things are important to us, you know. That rented U-Haul truck, Merrily was driving in, and I was like, <laughs> Merrily, we have to do this, you know, because if we don't do it, then we will not lay that foundation for the organization. So we did the mm-hmm. banquet, just the five of us did a big old banquet. You know, we had a lot of people come, the chief police of the school, the president of the school sent someone, you know, because I kept on going to his office and say, you have to see what we're doing. Yeah, we brought you know? our professors in yes, there our just professors, so that they could, they could see, see what, what, we're, what we're, doing, we're doing, you know, and then ask for money. Like you have to, you have to see again, it's, it comes again down to the money thing yeah. because we were not, you know, with the boys that people were giving. You know, because of the first and they were giving and they were giving. But we had a really hard time even getting somebody to give us $10, you know. And we wanted to ask. So we said, okay, we're going to do a banquet so people can give us money, Mm -hmm. you know. But alhamdulillah, we we raised like $2,000. We were very excited. We were like, yes, this will get us our shirts. (laughs) You know, this will get us to do other things. And, you know, I I, I have to say something about Alif Lamim, you know. They're, they're a great support, you know, and they put, they post stuff on, you know, uh, Facebook saying, we're so proud of you guys because they saw where we came from. Yeah. They saw where we came from. So that was some, some great stuff. And isn't that a thing with Greek life that like usually for every sort, there's like a component of like a, like a brother, brother, sister relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So is, yeah, is that a real is. thing or is that like, um, a, I think of, since we're not part of the same council, they're mm-hmm. part of the social, social fraternity council. and we oh, are part okay. of the professional. But again, I think just the Muslim sisterhood and brotherhood does, mm-hmm. you know, important. we do support them um, and vice versa. So it's great to know that they have, we have that support because a lot of times um, even their founders, like they reach out to me and they ask me, are you guys doing okay? Mm-hmm. Just because they know the struggle they, they, they had to go through and they don't want us to, they want us to be supported to uh, during that time. Um, so it's great. Um, but with the banquet, um, we weren't, again, we weren't targeting at that point. We weren't targeting girls to Mm-mm. join our organization. That wasn't our intention. But when we did target for girls to join our organization and was third year, so the year that we actually, la- last year, oh, yeah. was... This was 2016? Mm-hmm. Or I guess school year starting school, August. Yes. August. August, yeah. So it. that's when we started our beta chapter. Uh, or not beta chapter, my <laughs> beta class. That's yeah. where we started our beta class and then gamma class in um, spring. And then now we're, alhamdulillah, yeah. our delta class. And, I, you know, I, I'm curious. Like, I'm in a, I'm in a Javanese, a part of our beta class. I'm curious what they, you know, what what they, what they, what, how they felt when they came to the organization. Because that was... I feel like when I so again, I, you how know, do we convince how do you? We convince <laughs> you to come to the you know you know what I'm saying? So this was our first beta class, and I I seen Amina Javed in in you know around in the in the university. I've seen her in you know Alan Masjid or whatever it is. But this is 
I, I don't know what to, I'll just start crying again, but, you know, and I, I, I cry a lot because <laughs> it's true, you know. I cry a lot because the people who leave this legacy, you know, the people who are running this legacy. Mm-hmm. So, I'm the Javed. Yeah, do you mind uh, quickly introducing yourself? Uh, hi, my name is Amna. I'm a junior at UTD. I've been in MDA for two years. This is my second year, my yeah. third semester, and I'm the vice president. So how did they get you? Actually, what convinced you to join? Because it sounds like they were like a band of five. Yeah. And uh, did you know that they were doing something real or did you just take a chance on them? Um, so at first, I mean, I knew Sister Samira and uh, Omaima was one of my best friends. So I knew what she was doing, but I was just like, okay, I mean, that's cool, whatever. Um, and Samira had been talking to me about it a lot, too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, um... And I think at one point they even asked me to join them. But I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm busy. I can't. Um, but then after like a year, after seeing what Omaima was actually doing, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is kind of cool. So it took me like a year of like convincing myself that like it was like worth it. Wow. And I feel like the only reason I was able to tell right away was because I was so close to some of the people in it. You know, and so I was like, okay, like, this isn't just some Mickey Mouse, like, <laughs> like, this is like, they're doing something, you know, so <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll take a chance. Um, I mean, I didn't really have much to lose anyways, so. Do you think a lot of people felt that way? I think a lot of people did. Like, um, I was talking to Lamise and Rawa, like some of the other girls that were in my year, and they said the same thing. They were like, yeah, we didn't know what we were getting into, but we just thought, you know, might as well. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, alhamdulillah, we've grown so much. And it was cause beca- I think it was because we came in with no expectations that we were, like, willing to, like, work hard, you know? Yeah, to, well, like, so what I was telling them when I when I started the interview is, like, I know nothing about yeah. uh, Greek life. I definitely know nothing about, like, what you guys are doing. But based on this conversation, year one and year, I guess this would be year three now, there's, they're the same, but you succeeded. So obviously the big difference is that when there was just somebody working on their own, you had to put a lot of credibility into one person. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what sold people on the concept of the sorority is the people that were in the sorority. Mm -hmm. That's why I was asking what your Mm -hmm. reputation was like because Mm -hmm. I can imagine one of two things. I see you and it's like, this is the girl who's going to ask me to help fund her sorority. Mm -hmm. Or this is the girl who's taking a chance on something that she believes in. And I think that Weirdly enough, it was that cross-section of both that made you guys successful. So now that I have the whole dream team here, I want to get into I want to get into this year. Okay. Okay, so mm. the concept of this year was very different, right? This year, yeah. Is, this is the first year of formally rushing, right? I mean, we have been recruiting them, but just formally as in uh, the interview process and everything. We have been – these – the, these events have been stated in our constitution in the way they're supposed to be done. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that this year was when we finally opened up our beta chapter and our gamma chapter. So that's why a lot more girls were interested um, in the organization or in the sorority. So you guys have, uh, how many people were part of this, like at the start of this? So, um, 
this in the beginning so rush week basically or recruitment week started off with info sessions mm -hmm. and so um because i was emailing every single one uh we had around i had to email around 50 girls because uh, combined info session one and info session two there were 50 girls who just wanted to come out and see what mu delta alpha is about um they uh, we asked a lot of them how did you find out about the organization so a lot of it was through social media and also they saw muslimas for change on the student organization website and they were like oh i want to see what that's all about so they joined through that so we had alhamdulillah we have 50 girls but it really comes down to the interview day which how like even after the info session if they didn't see themselves doing it they didn't have to come for the interview so for interview is like when you know when you're really interested into joining the sorority so we had alhamdulillah we had like 32 girls uh interviewed like we interviewed 32 these girls. are 32 potential new recruits right? mm -hmm. yeah these are 32 potential new recruits that we interviewed that saw something in the organization and they just wanted to see if this is something they wanted to do or just honestly i think the interview was also more about us learning about them and also them learning more about us too we have to be strict with those interviews i mm -hmm. just wanted to say because i was so proud of these girls and i'm emotional about it because those girls left us because we wanted people just to come to the organization and you know to just come and and believe in the idea but we didn't we didn't pick them you know we didn't have a criteria for them and then this is we're taking it back to year two what we said we would not have in our constitution you know if you're just there oh i'm just here having a good time and it's my friend then you won't carry our legacy like how these girls did mm -hmm. you know we did not want you because you're just coming to have fun you know we do not want you because you know you're just somebody who your sister is in it and you just want to be in it you have to have one thing we were looking for. You have to have that drive. If you didn't have that drive, we were not going to take you, mm. you know? So, and I, I think you yeah, can continue no, with that Yeah, no, for part. sure. Um, I think just going back to the 15 girls that we initially had, obviously they really liked the idea of sisterhood and all this. But again, it's you who has to take the initiative. It's you who have to have that drive to work on this organization. And if we didn't see that within these girls uh, during the interview, um, that's something that we looked at. And again, I think one thing that I made that I was very clear about in the interviews was time commitment. This isn't us just hanging around talking about issues. This is us. We want to bring a change. It's about time. So we, so in the interviews, we kept emphasizing on time, 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 time. This is more than just our Sunday meetings. This is more than just, you know, our socials that we have and our professional speaker series. This is sisterhood as in if I if someone's in need and they call you up at 3 a.m., you should be able to respond and go back to them oh, well, okay. because that's what sisterhood is. Just being there for the other person, that support system that when you that will be there for you, even in your highs and your lows, professionally and personally will be there for you. And so for that, I can't have girls who just think this organization is fun. A lot of the conversation about sororities and success had to do with this concept of like, they have a hundred years backing them. They have all these people backing them. They have money, they have everything. You guys are coming into an organization that is absolutely in its infancy. So when you joined in you know, the first year, how did you get over that hurdle? The concept of they don't have money, Mm -hmm. They don't have that professional network for you. Like, 
I feel like part of the concept with the sorority is, you know that once you graduate, having been part of the sorority, you can tap into that network. How great that network is, I don't know. But this one, you are going to be that network. So Mm -hmm. how do you get over that? So to be completely honest, um, Samira did, I I don't think she, she says it as much, but she did convince me and it took her, and I hate to say this because it makes me sound like a really... Uh, I was really le- reluctant on spending my time because I wanted to spend my time somewhere where it was actually going to be a value. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to invest in something and realize, oh, it's all a scam at the end, to be completely honest. you know. So I was very hesitant to begin with. So, sh- But the thing is, I think, again, back to her being so diligent and just being so insistent and also like just so welcoming too to this idea because I think as a Muslim woman just going into university we have all like I personally wanted to join a sorority as it is um you know I was interested in it I was like oh I think this is a great platform for just girls in general um you see I was also part of like in high school, I was part of Young Life. So a big thing on them is their fellowship, and it's a Christian organization. Okay. So we're not going to talk about that, but basically one big thing that I saw with them was just the fellowship that they had, the brotherhood that they had, the sisterhood that they have for each other, just that willingness of going out of your way to make sure someone's okay. I personally didn't see that in my Muslim sisters and brothers. Um, so when you come to university and you look at fraternities and sororities and they literally label it as brotherhood and sisterhood, you get really like that drew me in to the concept of sororities. Um, I was going to join a sorority, um, but the fact that they, we were planning a Muslim one, I think that just made it 10 times better because this was a platform that was right up my alley. This is what I needed. This is what, and I don't think the organization probably needs me as much as I needed this organization. Like, at that time, like, even though Samira talks about how she needed me, I think I needed this organization to build these leadership skills. I wouldn't have gotten from anywhere else. Because of these rejections, I've learned how to face people now way better than I would have if I went to a sorority that was already successful. It didn't have any rejections. They were all going through like a smooth sailing thing. I think um, obviously that wasn't the intention I went with that, oh, I'm going to be rejected. So yay. But I joined this organization because I saw the dream and I saw so much motivation and initiative like there is. But then again, I had to take that initiative too. So it asked a lot from me. And that's what I really liked um just the fact that this is i can say very proudly that this is my sorority this is our sorority this is a muslim sorority so that was for me what about for you was it was it daunting knowing that there was no network that there wasn't millions of dollars in this thing yeah i mean it was but i think it comes down to like i I mean i I don't want to use the word sacrifice but it's kind of like for us as college students like going into a sorority you expect it to be like super cute and like you get everything just handed to you you pay like however much you pay and you're in this exclusive club but for us it was like you pay all this money and you spend all this time to sit there and work you know and it's like you feel like it's kind of a sacrifice but at the end of the day like what kept me going I guess and maybe a lot of other girls too is that like you're working towards something that in the future when other girls like you join they will have a network because you'll be that network you know Mm -hmm. so it's 
it's worth it in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I stayed and I will stay. Because even now, like, we do slowly, we are having, like, creating a network and giving opportunities to our girls. And so it Mm -hmm. takes time, but it's like, you know, you have to be willing to, like, spend time and work. Exactly. And I think one thing that kept me going was the fact that someone had to sacrifice, again, not using Mm -hmm. the word sacrifice in any negative connotation, had to sacrifice something, go through all these struggles to make sure that I come to UTD. Some... (laughs) (laughs) There goes this episode. No, no, no. So they had to... um, Someone had to stand up so that all these Muslim women could go to this university, you know? So I wanted to be that platform, too, for these Muslim women to feel accepted into their university campuses as well, just because I feel like uh, time is so limited because you have assignments, you have so many things, you want to spend your time wisely. You don't want to spend it with just a group of friends that, again, it's just talk and there's no action built off of it. I wanted everyone's time that is in this organization to be of value. And again, they're investing their time into it, so we're investing in them, like just with resources, not money, because I'm broke. As you can tell, just being a member of the sorority is a big undertaking. So, doing my best not to scare anyone away, I actually asked three girls who were rushing why they decided to even choose Boo Delta Alpha. My cousin told me to. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in the sorority and I would like to join this group and see how MD is. Just as someone who has been personally struggling with her faith, I think that being a part of this organization will really help me like internally. And if the theme of the first part of this episode was legacies, then surely the second part of this episode was focused on the importance of sisterhood. So I asked those same three girls what sisterhood meant to them. I guess it provides a type of family feeling, which I guess everybody brings up that reason. But um, I don't know, I feel like growing up as a Muslim girl, especially with the current political climate going on right now, you need to have like a strong um, support group, you know? So I guess this is like one option where you could go to find it. I think it's important because, um, especially because MDA is the first of its kind, it's, it's the first Muslim sorority, um, it's important to have a good environment where you can learn and um, make good friends. Uh, I think that it's important to have a group of people that you can uh, count on and that you can confide in, that you can talk to, like not just about personal things, but just about like academic, professional, like advice just in life, um, just in all sorts of aspects. I think that if you feel comfortable enough with a group of people, then that sisterhood will last way beyond just these four years that you're here at UTD and that's something that I'm really looking for because I'm new to the area and I don't really know that many people here and I've just been kind of like struggling to meet people and so I think that um, by becoming a part of this sorority or the sisterhood that uh, hopefully I'll be able to gain a lot of that and a lot of the members are older than me so I want to just it would be really nice to have like an older sister or something because I don't have one just for like advice on a lot of things or just to have some people to talk to about certain things. We're going to take another quick break and when we come back, Samira, Umaima, and Amina tell us about the newest chapter and what they have planned for the future.
So let's talk about out of this 32, how、mm-hmm. many ended up getting selected?、Um, Alhamdulillah, we had around 15.、Uh, we are so excited and proud of them.、Um, so, and this is the first time you guys have had to turn down. Yes, we would have、yeah. to turn down, yes. Hey, but from rejection comes success. That's what we learned、right? today.、Yes. See? All right,、yes. ladies. <laughs> keep on keeping on.、Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, for,、sure. but the, for the 15, so what's the plan now? So, moving forward,、uh, we are some of the things that we do in our organization. We have workshops. So, workshops are the career workshops that we work with the Career Center on our campuses.、Mm-hmm. And so, we have resume workshops, we have mock interviews, we have、um, just postgraduate. Uh, kind of things, resources that the university has provided, but I think a lot of times we are reluctant to use them. So we make it mandatory for our girls to go and be part of them. These, are, these workshops are、uh, exclusive only to our girls just because they made the effort to join the organization and to move it forward. So this is, I mean, these. These resources are available to everyone on campus, as it is, like UTD tells you, but these are exclusive for our girls in a way that they will. Catered towards our needs and the, the requirements that we have for them. And then we have speaker series, which is where we bring in a professional from、uh, the local, like a professional woman in her field. And she comes in, she talks about what her career is, why she chose it, why she's so passionate about it, how she went about it, and how does Islam play such a、like, role into. Her career. So these are these are Muslim professional women、mm-hmm. in, in the area? Or in like, the area. So previously we have brought in、uh, women from, we had Nashina Hussain from、um, Minnesota. And、uh, she, she, has a, she has a very good organization actually.、Mm-hmm. It's, called, it's called Rise, it's the revival of Islamic, Islamic sisterhood empowerment、mm-hmm. or something like that. And she's really good. She wanted to be a doctor and everything, and then this is where her passion is. So she works a lot in Minnesota to do a lot of social justice work. You know, she has people she's hired, people are working for her. It's, it's really, we wanted to showcase those people too as well. And、yes. we're, we're still working on g e t t i n g Yeah, so this time we have、uh, Amreen Butt, who's going to be coming in. She is an artist, and she's like a very proclaimed artist, and she even shows her gallery in the DMA and everything. We want our girls to realize there's more to it. Like, if you put your passion into it, there's, there's so many careers out there for you、um, that you can choose. But again, if There is a path that they have chosen. We will support them and we will provide them with the resources that they need to get to their career and just make it easier for them. So,、um, our, our professional speaker series is also a great way for us to network with these locals in the community and also support them.、Um, th- this is a great way for them. So, if we have, like, we had the attorney,、mm-hmm. attorney come in,、uh, we have a bunch of girls who are going into law school. So, that was a great way for them to know about someone who's in the field, who's working、yeah. that whole thing. So, what we're trying to do for,、uh, at the national level, and I talked to Omema about it, we're trying to get, you know, a bigger, so they get people through the local, but when we come through the national, I, I feel like we're going to bring all the chapters together for this one speaker series. We, I've been talking to Anusha. Ansari. She is the first Muslim woman astronaut.、Uh, so we've been speaking since last year, and I was like, you know, give me a, 
I want to be have a bigger venue venue for her, and I would want to have the younger girls that we have as well. And I'll talk. To, we'll talk a little bit more, a little bit about that. So she will come. We'll have that speaker series, and she can talk about her her experience and how she got into NASA and how she went to yeah. to space. I think that's an awesome thing. And she is involved in building solar homes in Africa, if I'm not wrong. And she works, you know, she has worked with President Obama. I think that's an amazing way of changing the world. You know, so we would like to have her for a speaker series. We're going to be having a networking, you know, meetup networking event. So we'll, I'll talk to some CEOs, some women CEOs from different places. You know, Charles is helping me do that as well. So we can get to do our first networking, major networking event. So that we're going, we'll work on that as well mm-hmm. in the future. And then there's something else that we want to talk about. I think we overlooked it a little bit. We we want to talk about our Young Muslim Summit. Mm-hmm. That's something that's never been done before. We did a summit for 200 young girls this year from the ages 9 to 13. And we talked about a lot of issues that people don't touch, you know, body image, bullying, education, all this stuff. And we, w- the data that we collected from these young girls was so like mind boggling. We were crying when we were reading those sticky notes about those little girls, how they think they're ugly, they're hairy. They're fat. They're this, they're that. There's no a lot of resources for these young girls, you know? That's why we did that summit. We had so much obstacles mm-hmm. come to that summit. And I was taking them back yesterday when NPR called me. I think I called Amina first before I called Omema because I knew Omema was going to be... I was going to be very emotional with Omema because I wasn't going to be able to speak to her because we've taken you through our first year mm-hmm. and Omema is sitting on that table Amina comes in, and Amina comes in. So I get close to Amina during that summit, and she knows when we were sitting, all of us in that table, and said, what did we get ourselves into? You know, we've lost so much money. We've done all this. We've done that. But we always keep saying, it's worth it, right? It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So I was taking them back to that, to that place. We were sitting on my table, and we were reading those sticky notes, and I was like, how come we've never touched this age group? And a part of Muslims for Change is that mentorship. Mm -hmm. You know, MDA is all about that mentorship. We want to prepare these girls to know about us. So when they come to universities, they'll say, hey, you know, we're ready to join MDA and we know what MDA is all about. Mm -hmm. Because we saw saw these young women do it. These are college students doing this organization. I have nobody in, like, you know, the professional women, they can't handle, you know, they saw us, we're not very raw. So they couldn't handle these girls. They were like, oh, you know, it's not that much professionalism. You know, a lot of a lot of pushback. So I just want to tell you, like, this organization has a beta chapter, a gamma chapter, which is Denton and UNT, built by young Muslim girls. I'm the oldest of all of these girls. There's nobody. They're all under the age of 25. I think that's an awesome thing to be celebrated. So we wanted to instill that on the young girls, you know, the young girls who we are having in the summit. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we raised it. We, I went, we went to businesses. Mm-hmm. We said, please, please sponsor these girls, sponsor us to have this summit. You know, it's going to be an amazing summit. We, we were able to bring Bilkis Abdikader. Do you guys know Bilkis Abdikader? She was a girl who was refused, you know, to play basketball in FIBA. And she made FIBA change that decision. Mm-hmm. She a big deal. We bought all these amazing women in one place, but nobody was like, oh yeah, yeah, Muslim summit. 
we were turning away girls by the yeah. time we did this summit. So we're going to have it again this year and you know inshallah ta'ala so next year. Yeah. Yes. So we, so we have it that's one of yeah. our projects for the spring major uh, semester spring 2018. Mm -hmm. And that this is also our way of giving back to the community as well um just as an organization again we are trying to bring leaders or build leaders and I think one of the most eye-opening thing with the summit was how much of it is really needed like just women girl leadership in our communities because these girls these 9 to 15 or 13 year olds they don't have anyone to look up to in their community that they could just be like hey i'm going through this issue i want to talk to you there's no one like that you can't always just go to your masjid for these problems you can't sometimes you can't even communicate with your parents about these problems so we wanted to be the girls that they can look up to their big sisters that they can look up to and they can talk to these issues about and hopefully we can help them build that leadership that we didn't have when we were their, their age. Um, and that's one of the things that we're doing. And I think if we start, you know, we started with Dallas, but inshallah, we're going to start with, since we have our chapter in Austin, we're going to start with Austin too. So I think just little by little, we see it growing. And it's all about the impact that we're doing. I think once you see the impact and the result of it, you completely forget about the obstacles. Mm -hmm. There's so many models in in our, uh, in our society right now, but the, not in our not role models. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, that's real. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. real. The role model is something which is really, really lacking. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we really need to work on, right? Especially for our young girls. So that's our model. Mm -hmm. that's our, yeah. But we need, you know, we need help. We need support. We need people donating to us. Mm -hmm. If you're listening today, that's <laughs> one of our, I'm sorry. No, do it. No. So you already sorry. won me over. Yes. <laughs> so it's something that we really want to raise money, especially to do this summit. It takes a lot of money. So you need to support us so we can support these young girls. None of us are getting paid. These are college students who are putting a lot of work into it and time. So if they believe in that dream, People should believe in this dream. We were raising twenty thousand dollars this year in Charlotte. We hope we get into it. So, yeah. So y'all are gonna help us. Also, uh, going back to where they're going. So with our play or with our new recruits, mm -hmm. is that they also have a semester project that they have to work on. So they're not official members of the organization just as yet. So the way like fraternity and sorority works is you have to go through a semester of proving that you want to be part or be a member of this organization. Because once you're a member, if you plan to leave the organization, you have to go through the national and everything. So this this process, a lot of people, usually it's called pledge ship. But um, we, since we're not an official sorority just as yet, we call it recruit uh, or just like a recruit project is that they uh, previous times we've worked with nonprofit organizations, have our girls go to them. This is and they go to them and um, on a weekly basis and work with them. This is a great way for them to manage their time. And also later on, uh, once they are initiated as a member, they can switch that into a role in the sorority. Okay. So we don't just give them the sorority just when they enter. Oh, OK. Um, um, they have to go through the semester and that they and that we can see it in them too that they they want to, they're willing to work for it and so that's what we're doing uh this semester as well this semester we are work i have been contacting dallas isd so just the whole like dallas isd and see what their programs are and how our girls can be a part of them just because from our summit i realized this age group is very very important for us to just 
work on. And I think it made it just created so many leadership skills just like on that one day because we we were the ones who were mentoring the girls. So there was that speaker that was talking to them, but we had our girls um, targeted towards one age group and we were the ones organizing all the workshops for them. So just that in itself, and I think kids are like the hardest audience to work with. Yeah. So just that in, in itself was a great leadership experience. So we want to keep implementing that throughout the semester. So once they are initiated as members, they can move forward. Okay, not that you needed to win me over, but I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, blown away by the concept and the amount of work that you guys in particular are doing out here. Mm-hmm. If there's anything you want to mention to our listeners that you haven't already, please feel free to do so now. So... I want to say, like, I think this is something which is overlooked. How young Muslim women are so awesome, right? When you give them the tools and you give them the support, they are so, like, their potential, none of us, I I couldn't imagine this potential of these girls, you know? When I just met Umayma, she was just somebody who was boarding in the, you know, around campus, you know, (laughs) and she's the president of my alpha chapter, which she rejected 17 girls. When I met Amina, I was asking her to come to my alpha class when we were the five people. And she was like, you know, she's just a new student, freshman. And now she does, she's my, she's my confidant. I'll call her for the first thing. Like NPR is calling me and I'm like, Amina, pinch yourself. You know, but I just want to sh- show that Muslim women are leaders. You know, we can't overlook them. We have to invest in young Muslim girls because if we don't, who is going to? Those models, right? There's no other role model for them, right? We got to work and help and support Muslim women. So that is something which is important. And please give to our organization. Our organization, the money that we get, if anybody get $100, we put it into amazing work i know my girls are laughing i told them i would exactly do this i would do this with npr too on monday i would do the same thing inshallah donate to organization because we do not get enough support as it is we're not looking to be you know to be recognized by anybody but we're carrying that islamic values and want to instill in them and being in a college setting these are the most neglected community so we want to support them, inshallah. Sure. And I'm so grateful that you, I've never been on a podcast. You before. did great. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, maybe I might start my own sports podcast. There you go. I'm a Celtic fan, by the way. Thank you. Oh, no, <laughs> now we're not going to do it. Right, I know. You. I know what I'm doing. You probably well, heard so me say, you won me over or you sold me repeatedly in this episode. And it's not just because I'm a doofus who doesn't know how to emotionally react in situations. It's actually because I was really taken in by the passion and sincerity that these women showed. Because before I started talking to them, the concept of a sorority was something I was completely unfamiliar with. And honestly, I don't even think that Mu Delta Alpha is a traditional sorority anyways. But Samira's pleas and her passion just convinced me of the difficulties that they had to overcome. The red tape, the rejection, everything. I mean, what Samira and the other women did and are doing is exceptional and somewhat heartbreaking, actually. I mean, one of the girls who was rushing said that she was doing it because she doesn't have a big sister to confide in. And then you hear Umaima say that one of the reasons they do these events and they do everything they do is because they want to be the big sisters and role models to these kinds of girls. I mean, that's just devastating in this strangely bittersweet way. And it also just confirms the idea that these women made a legacy and knowingly or not, they are fulfilling it in real time. And that's testimony to the fact that they are 
Muslimas for Change. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoyed their story. Please be sure to join us on our next episode when Had Fazlani interviews fashion designer and YouTube personality Subhi Thaha. I don't like the idea of of regretting not doing something. That's why I've always been one to like just do what I want to do because I don't want that thought in the future thing, oh, what would happen if I had done that? I want to know that I did it and if it sucks and it turns out horrible then it sucks and it turns out horrible, but I know that I at least tried. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Scenario Podcast, and you can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and anywhere else you hear your podcasts. Once again, I am Ayaz Qureshi, and it was enchanting to meet you.